0: And, of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: You like, do you really like good news? Okay, because we've got some very, very good news today. So I'm going to ask uh, Mook and Harley, if you will, can you guys come up here real quick? If you guys remember just a few weeks ago, we did a story in the church on infertility and they came up here and maybe Harley's going to make it. Here she, here she comes. But we did a story and then we prayed over them on infertility uh, before they left. But come on now, Harley, come on. (laughs) Now, uh, you guys have something you want to say? Uh, maybe, maybe there it is. Uh, we just want to thank you all so much for the continued support and prayers, um, It's been a journey, ups and downs, telling our story. But you know what? God's been wonderful for us. Um, He's been with us this whole process. And, you know, we turned everything over to him. So, Harley.
2: (laughs) Um, So we are um, expecting. (laughs) We are um, roughly a little over 12 weeks. We did finally get to... um, graduate fertility uh, with Dr. Ransom a couple weeks ago, so he no longer wants to see us. Um, He said he'll see us in round two um, if we come back with our, if we have a second child. Um, And then we have already started with OBGYN, and we have our second appointment tomorrow, so just continue to pray for us. Um, It's been crazy the last, I guess, 12 weeks. Um, We continue to, um, we'll be telling the rest of our family this afternoon and then we will post on social media later today or tomorrow something like that so but thank you guys
1: and and we un- we do understand that they are they are not out of the woods you know, so so we want to continue to pray for them, and that's what we're going to do right now. And the last time they were up here, we asked you guys just to extend your hand out, if you would, uh, to uh, to pray over them with me, and we're going to lift them up one more time, okay? Well, a lot more times, but one more time today. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much for this family. We love them so much, and God, we pray that you watch over them, that you watch over this uh, this precious, precious baby, that you keep them safe. Uh, Father, since the beginning of this whole experience, they've been praying for your will to be done, and I know that will continue to be their their prayer. So we pray, God, that you continue to lead, guide, and direct the Jeter family in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. You have no idea how difficult it is for me to keep secrets. So I've, had a, I've had a very hard week. I mean, it's like people will come up to me and say, well, how you doing, Matt?" Well, Harley's not pregnant. I know that. But so I'm just trying to be, you know, I've, I've really struggled, but we, we made it, and now it's, now it's out. So anybody can say what they want to. All right, so I want to start this morning with this, with this statement Serving in the local church is a form of giving. It doesn't replace financial giving, and it's not an exchange for emotional giving, but it is an important form of giving. It's really important for us to understand. Often when it comes to giving in a spiritual sense, we tend to talk about our time, our talents, and our treasures. That's what people ask about all the time. Are you giving over? Are you handing over your time, your talents, and your treasures? So we've spent the last four weeks talking about treasures. That's what it means to give financially. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk just for a little while about our time, And about our talents. So our first core value at Believer's Church is formation or spiritual formation, and this means to become students of Jesus. What this means is that discipleship is a core focus for us, and we're not going to just talk about something on a Sunday morning. We're going to try to give you guys the daily application every single week that we're together, but more specifically for a period of time, four to ten weeks in the fall and four to ten weeks in the spring, to take a spiritual discipline, a spiritual practice, and to practice this the way that Jesus lived this out in his life. Spiritual disciplines include prayer, scripture, worship, fasting, serving, giving, hospitality, practicing Sabbath, and there are many more. In the spring, we talked about prayer. Today, we're in our last message of the practice on giving. So, I'm going to be in John chapter 13, if you'll turn there, if you have your Bible. John chapter 13, this is one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. A lot of you are going to recognize it. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17. You can follow up here on the screen if you'd like. You can use your phone, but it may be worth going back to this passage throughout the course of the week because it's so important. So John chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 17, This is, of course, the famous story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. You guys know how I feel about foot washing. We've done that in this church with new leadership. It's something that I've practiced over the years. So before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So when he got up from the table and took off his robes, picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my, my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head, meaning I want to know you, I want to be a part of you completely. Jesus responded, those who have bathed need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. After he washed the disciples feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place, at the table he said to them do you know what i've done for you you call me teacher and lord and i sp- and you speak correctly because i am if i your lord and teacher have washed your feet you too must wash each other's feet i have given you an example just as i have done you must also do i assure you servants are greater than their master i'm going to say that again servants are not greater than their master nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy. You will be happy if you do them. Biblically speaking, foot washing was primarily about hygiene and also hospitality. It's certainly not something that a person would choose to do, and the role was generally taken upon by servants. Think about it this way. It would be normal for me to send you a card in the mail just to let you know how much I appreciate you, just to let you know how much I appreciate your service to our church or the things that you do. That would be normal for me. It would be even more normal for me if I were to text you and let you know, just like maybe uh, Harley and Becca with these shoeboxes and other things that you guys have poured in, the work that Harley's done this morning with Ryan not being here, Just letting people know that you appreciate them, it's a very good thing to do. Also, if I knew that you had a great need and you needed gas or food or something like that, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for my family or even this church to try to provide a gas card or a food card or something like that. But it's very unlikely that I would say, and I have said it before, uh, and it's made people feel weird, but take your shoes off. I want to wash your feet. It's just not very common. It's not something that, that, that most pastors are ever going to touch or ever going to do. Now, the question is, why? Why am I not, if this is a practice of Jesus, just going to, to take your shoes off or ask you to take your shoes off and wash your feet? Number one, it's slightly unpleasant. All right? Most people don't like to do it. One of the first things people say whenever you take their shoes off or they take them off is, well, my feet might be kind of sweaty. Or, I've not had a shower or a bath since yesterday. They want to let you know that if there's an odor down there, you better be prepared. Number two, it makes me your subordinate. If I am practicing this on my knees and I am washing your feet, that essentially, in a New Testament sense, is making me lower than you, which I believe is very important. And then number three, honestly, it's just a little awkward. It's awkward, and I'm speaking from experience. People don't know exactly what to do in that moment. Now, if it's something planned, like we've done for our leaders, it's a little bit different. But if you approach someone because you've hurt them or because you've had a bad attitude toward them, and you say, would you please take your shoes? And, you know, the basin and the water and the towel just happens to all be prepared. It's it's a little bit awkward, and I'm I'm speaking from a lot of experience. So the question is... Why and how does this exemplify servanthood? If we're talking about our time and we're talking about our talents and we're talking about serving people, not the way other people in different societies, culture, the world, corporate America serve people, but biblically speaking, not just as a Christian leader, but also as a believer, period. What is the symbolic nature here that shows us what we're supposed to be? And how we're supposed to do it. Because sometimes this isn't always about literally washing someone's feet. But instead it's a metaphor for how we are supposed to live our lives. And some of you are saying, well I'm really good with the metaphor. That part's okay. But the literal part, not so much. But what is it that Jesus is doing here? Because if we're going to serve the way that we're supposed to. I'm going to say something really quick. I I think it's okay to, to build volunteers within a church to serve in different areas so that needs are met. I believe that's okay. But that for me, when I look at this whole corporate model of the church, is kind of just feeding the machine. What I want to do is help people discover their spiritual gifting. Why are you here? What is the purpose of your life? What is is it that you are supposed to be doing? And Jesus, in his servant role, is helping people discover this. So what is it that we see in this passage today that Jesus is clearly showing? First, Jesus reveals what I would just very simply call a theology for serving. Okay, theos, God, ology to know. A theology, a biblical worldview, a biblical perspective of what it means to serve. If you're a leader in any capacity whatsoever, you need to nail this. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you never lead anything in your life, you need to nail this even more. So he develops this theology of serving, meaning what is it that servants are supposed to be? If I were to ask you that question, you may have several answers to that. What exactly is it that a servant is supposed to be? Listen, this is not optional, okay? So when you get upset with someone that you work with, When you have a bad attitude towards someone else in the church, regardless of what position you're in, this is not an option. This is something that must be practiced. So the first thing that we have to recognize, what do you have to be? First, you have to be humble. You have to be humble. If foot washing was a task for the lowly, It's 100% necessary that we replicate a lowliness of spirit. I've said this before. I'll say it many times again. Henry Nowen was the first one that said this. The life of a believer is not about me coming along, getting a bigger church and making more and more money, and blossoming into all these other areas to where my my name or my platform is known more. It's about downward mobility, which does not go toward success, but instead leads toward the cross. I am to serve every single person that I see in this church as if I am their subordinate. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Matt. You're the pastor, and the pastors that I've seen Well, they're pretty controlling people. They like to have their hands on everything that's done. Yes, that's important from a vision perspective, but I am supposed to be in a place where I never, ever give the impression that I am somehow better or more knowledgeable than you. I'm right there with you in everything that I do. People who serve have to be humble. And if you struggle with humility, this is the very first place that you have to start today. You've got to be humble. But also, and this is really hard for people, you've got to be impartial. You have got to be impartial. Please hear this. Jesus washes Judas's feet. I want you to take that in. With the person that's done you wrong, with the person that's really hurt you, With the person that's going to hurt you tomorrow. With the things that you can't even begin to anticipate right now. Some of you may be in this room angry this very second at someone. Potentially someone in this room. But we have to serve people with a complete spirit of impartiality. So what does this look like? Verses 2 and then 4 and 5. The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. You think Jesus didn't know this? Jesus even says later in the passage that the betrayer, the unclean, is at this very table. That person you can't stand that got the promotion when you didn't. That person that is gossiping about you. That person that is saying you're not working hard enough. That person that is hurting your family. Jesus is at the table with that person. But he got up from the table. He took off his robes, picking up a linen towel. He tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a water basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. This is the model. This is not a good way of doing it. This is not a suggestion. This is not an option. If you want to radically see the world Changed. This is the model. For our first impressions, people that are in here right now are people at our doors, kids check in. We don't check people at the door to make sure they're worthy of our service. We serve regardless of what they look like. You don't know how difficult it is for some people to walk into a new church when the church has hurt them and they've not been in the church in many, many years. We don't look to see if they are poor or if they don't look like us or if their lifestyle is different than us. You need to check yourself at the door before they ever enter the door or you're not worthy to serve. Because this is exactly where we're supposed to be. And you want to know something? This is one of the things that people love about Believers Church. Our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. And a lot of these people don't look like us. And a lot of these people don't believe the same things that we do. A lot of these people don't understand whenever they come into the church what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. But with this mission, we serve with humility and we serve with impartiality. These are markers of the Christian faith. But then our service also has to be sacrificial. You see, they could have went straight into dinner. And that's typically what I would have done. I would have been hangry at this point. So they could have went straight into dinner. But Jesus wanted to serve them. So when we talk about serving as an act of giving, keep it in mind, that's what we're talking about. You guys are just thinking, goodness, I'm glad we're not talking about money anymore. But when we're talking about serving as an act of giving, we are talking about making a sacrifice. And it always brings a return that is greater, just like financial giving. It always brings a return that is greater than our original investment. So Jesus reveals, and he sets up this theology for serving, this is what it's supposed to look like. Why is he doing this for the disciples? To show them. He knows he's going to be gone soon. This is what it's supposed to look like. But then Jesus also reveals this provision for for serving, meaning that there is a plan There is a reason that he is doing what he is doing. Verse 7 says, Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now? As the disciples are thinking, why in the world is the King of kings and the Lord of lords doing this? You don't understand it now, but you will understand it later. How many times have you been in the darkness of suffering? Some of you going through addiction. Some of you going through divorce. Some of you are going through other just really, really dark times in your job, in your marriage with a friend, something like that. And you've realized when God has taken you through it, you didn't realize what was going on at the time, but later you did. This is the provision that Jesus is setting up for serving. You see, Peter, and, and, and we have some Peters in here, some people that are exactly like Peter. He can't take it all in. But one day, he will. And Jesus is saying that this gift of serving is making a difference that will be transformative in your life. And you have to lean in to everything it offers. Now I'm going to step on some toes for just a minute because we've done enough of that with the financial giving. So let's talk. This is, this is the attitude a lot of people have in our church and other churches as well. I have to go to church early in the morning. They put me on the schedule. Got to be there at 9.30. I have no idea why I have to be there at 9.30. Nobody's there at 9.30. There's no kids there yet at 9.30. We don't have people coming through the doors at 9.30. I have no idea why they want me to do that. Can you go to the ball game tonight? Can you do this tonight? Can you do that tonight? No, I got to go to this church event. They signed me up. I don't even want to be involved. And they signed me up. Many of you have been in that experience before, and do you know that it is the greatest privilege in your life, other maybe than seeing your kids come into this world to serve the Lord Jesus in any capacity whatsoever? But you see, what people this is the issue people who say those kinds of things have no idea what the mission is at Believers Church, they have no clue. If you are connecting what you're doing, With something that you view as meaningless, you have no idea what you're doing. You see, when you're in that nursery, you're not just changing a diaper. You're making it possible for a mom or dad who have never heard the message of Jesus to avoid hellfire. That's where you are. When you open a door, you're not simply opening a door for the same people that come in every single week. There have been people at this church and people at my last church that have said, I had so much anxiety to go in the building that I turned my car around and drove. Or I got just a little bit closer to the church every single week, but I was so worried about being judged. I was so worried. So if somebody opens the door while they're talking to like five other people and not even paying attention and they don't understand why they're there, stop serving. there is a world that needs Jesus. There are people who need this. And if you can just detach, like it doesn't even matter. I can't believe I've got to do it. I can't believe they put me. This is this is so many people. And this is what Jesus says. You may not understand. And this is even for the faithful. You may not even understand the significance of what you're doing right now. But one day you will. Because when you had those kids that were being brats, that were bouncing off the walls, and you're thinking, I can't handle it, and their mom had the opportunity to hear about a God that loved her, despite the fact that every man that she's ever been with in her life has treated her like garbage, you have made a kingdom difference. When you have been that voice, that kindness at the door, that has showed someone love, that knows nothing about church people, or has a bad view of church people. You have made a difference. It's the giving of our time. It's the giving of our talents that makes all the difference in the world. Each and every function within the body matters. Every single bit of it. It's a body. It's not just a pastor. It's not just a worship team. It's not just this and that. It's all of the body together, working in unity. And this is what it truly means to give in that way. So there's one other thing. Jesus has given us this theology of serving. He's given us this provision for serving. It may not make sense now, but later you will understand. But Jesus is also providing, and this to me is the best, this invitation for serving, meaning that he is providing the example And that's what these practices are all about. If we're talking about prayer, what are we trying to do? We're trying to get alone with the Father. We're trying to avoid distraction. We're trying to pray like Jesus. If we're talking about Scripture, we're, we're talking about the commitment to the Hebrew Testament that Jesus had. If we're talking about hospitality, we're talking about welcoming people in and loving people and dining with sinners the way that Jesus did. So all of these practices are about Jesus and how he practiced these things. So he is giving this amazing example of what service is supposed to look like. And that doesn't mean everybody comes in church every Sunday and washes feet. It's the metaphor. You are to go be humble. You are to go be impartial. You are to go be sacrificial. You are to take this role and understand the mission of the New Testament church because that is where your life is is headed. So Jesus provides an invitation for serving. This is what he says in 13 through 15 of chapter 13. You call me teacher and Lord, meaning you're giving me some level of respect and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you a what? An example. Just as I have done you must also do. So that means that whenever a person comes into the church or if you're, if you're serving coffee or whatever it is that you might be doing, again, we're mostly talking about serving within the local church today, but it's not that you just dismiss someone or you just don't talk to someone or even someone that's here every single Sunday that you're serving, if you're checking kids in or if you're working in kids ministry, or whatever it might look like, whatever you may be doing, it's humility. It's impartiality. You don't avoid certain people and just go to your little friends. Is there anything as disturbing and ugly as a church clique? I would rather be in a gang. Can you all see me in a gang? I would rather be in almost any circle that you can possibly imagine than a snotty, dad sit down. <laughs> He's talking about, but then, then uh, I don't even want to know what he said. But, but then this like clique of these, these women, or like these men that like get together in their, little circle, in their little circle and there's like this person that comes into church and they're just like, I don't know anybody. My heart is flying. I don't know where to go. I don't know where the bathroom is. I don't know how to get into the sanctuary. If I can just find it, I will stay in my seat and not move. And it makes no sense whatsoever while you've got these little groups and they're thinking, well, we just see each other once a week. It's not the mission for you to just congregate with one another and leave everyone else out. And one thing that I can say, again, that I think is beautiful about this church is that it does not, and, and some of y'all may disagree with me, but it does not feel clickish at all to me, at all. Not even 1% is the way that I would view things, and I hope, you know, I hope that you feel uh, the same way. So uh, maybe we shouldn't even call this an invitation, all right? We should call this a requirement, because Jesus is saying, go and do likewise. He's not saying, go and do likewise if you have time. Or go and do likewise if the other option doesn't work. He says go and do likewise in every single area of your life. And one of the beauties of serving is that it begins to unleash your spiritual gifting. That's one of the most common questions that a lot of you ask me, and they're very good questions, but I need to understand my spiritual gifting. I want to understand what it is that God has called me to do. If there's a particular kind of work within the local body or even outside of the church that I'm supposed to be involved in, I want to understand that. Well, one of the ways that you understand that, that you come to understand that is through serving and it's really a trial and error process, but you serve in many different areas of the church. So giving our treasures is giving of our finances. We've covered that. You've been beat to death with that. You're now all giving 100000 a week. It's wonderful. That's a joke. Giving our time is giving our availability to serve in the local church. So when we give our time, we're saying, you want to know something? Some of these women that serve in the nursery serve 319 Sundays a month. There's only four but it feels like that to some of them. They're serving all the time. But when we start serving in the local church, these often work to unleash our talents, which happen to be our spiritual gifts. And that's what we want to unleash, and that's what we want to see working, and we want to see the glory of God working through this. So your serving in the local church should do three things. It should unleash your gifting it should definitely unleash your gifting. You should start to realize this just doesn't really feel like my thing. I just whispered over to Beth whenever we were worshiping because I'm a worshiper. And I said, can you ever hear me sing? And she had this shrug. She was like, yes. (laughs) That's not my gifting. All right, so you start to learn what your gifts are, but you can only learn what your gifts are if you put that toe in and start working toward kingdom growth. But it should also edify the body and make us all better together. And then it should also glorify God. And when this happens, everything around you is better. Everything around you is better. When the body of Christ is functioning together, understanding what their gifts are and what they are able to do.
0: We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church Podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.